I truly believe that CrossFit is going to be the like mecca of training. Like, so right now we're in a stage where, you know, ten years ago you were CrossFit, people were like, I don't know what that is. Right now, people hear CrossFit and they 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 know something about it, and it may be good, it may be bad, but it's, right. it's their knowledge of what they think CrossFit. Is. episode 29 what's up buddy nothing much man just enjoying life hey listen uh if you notice that that's a different voice this is matt torres uh co-owner of north north naples crossfit and head one-on-one uh, trainer coach what do you head guys coach, define it? head coach for one-on-one programming for brute strength for brute strength and it's remote so it's uh, we have athletes all over the world. I have athletes from Australia, UK, Mexico. Well, the thing that I saw you post a while uh, after the games is you had some uh, some athletes that you were working with specifically that won the games. Yep. Yeah. So I worked with uh, two of the CrossFit team athletes that won the games. Um, I work with them individually. The first one was 14, 15 year old champ Tudor Magda. The second one was the 16, 17 year old champ uh, Dallin Pepper and uh, I also helped coach. So they, these are not my athletes per se specifically, yep. but I also helped coach at the CrossFit Games, Haley Adams, yep. um, and, a, uh, and a master's athlete as well. Um, it, was, it was a phenomenal time up there. It was a lot of learning up there. Yep. Um, you know, it was, it was entertaining to watch these athletes do so well, and it made me so proud to, to sit back. I kind of felt like, you know, father figure for these, yeah, yeah, for yeah. these kids. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a great time. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can have so many great conversations. I think what was really important to bring you on, Maddie, is you're a good friend. We met coaching uh, football. You were more of a coach in football than I was. I was just a pretty face. Um, and then we came to, you know, really fall in love with CrossFit uh, around the same time. And we've both been fortunate enough to create a business and a lifestyle around it. And uh, you've moved in a different direction. Uh, when it comes to training high-level athletes, and that's why I wanted to bring you on this week. Uh, Brett's out of town, and I thought what a great opportunity to to bring on a guest and and really pick your brain about that because it's evolved so much from you know the days in 2000 where you were you know following the HQ.com and you would just do that and then eventually make yourself to the games. And we know that the reality is is that. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. You know, athletes, well, as we were talking off air, was athletes are putting their life on hold to, to make a run for the games, and uh, they're doing everything they can, and I, I want to pick your brain and see what that looks like because I haven't uh, had the privilege to work with those type of athletes. Working with teens is unbelievable because if you think about it, like an 18-year-old could be, have been, has turned 18 and been crossfitting for 10 years. I've been crossfitting for 10 years, but I'm 33, and so the, these kids have such a huge leg up on us because they were immersed into this so much younger, and so they're getting more time in at a younger age to really develop their skills. So uh, there's just so much to that that um, that I want to get into as well. But I think where we should start is how would you define general programming? Like, how do we look at programming? Um, 
when it comes to our general athletes because you have a you know unique responsibility and that's programming for you know what I call general population the the most people that uh, come to our facilities day in and day out but and then you're also programming for the top one percent top zero 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 one percent if you do the math on that so what does that look like how do you define it what, what's your mindset with all that so strength and conditioning programming uh, the way I think about it and I define it is if you have a goal specifically for health and fitness or for sport, if your programming is getting you steps closer to that goal, uh, then it's going to be phenomenal programming. So mm -hmm. this could be done in any capacity, not just CrossFit, not just health and fitness. Um, for different sports altogether, the way we grew up is we saw it as, for example, football. Right? You go play college football, and then when you're done playing college football, you know there's a lot that weighs on the, uh, the combine. And we know exactly what tests are going to be mm. coming in for that combine. So these kids, they come out and they uh, they get programming for three months. They test their skills, and that's essentially one of the bigger um, deciding factors of where they place in the draft in the in the months to come. So programming, there's there's really no true definition, and there's as as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what what we grew up on is you know you do five by five and then you do something else and you do a little bit of accessory work and then afterwards you just go yeah. out and do some sort of conditioning right, right? right. Uh, the way the way I see it now is if you know your athletes limitations and weaknesses yep. that's gonna give you a leg up on the competition so and that's one of the ways that I program for my athletes now. It's limited base or limiters based programming. Mm. So we put our athletes through a gamut of tests to figure out, you know, what are their strength and balances. Um, is their left leg stronger than their left leg? Is their right arm stronger than their left arm in both pushing, pulling? Uh, what are their gymnastics skills look like? What is this? What is their gymnastics endurance look like? What does their gymnastics strength look like? Yeah. What does their gymnastics look like in a mixed modal sense? Uh, what's their energy system look like? So it's there's so many different tests and variations, and there's going to be so many new tests and variations coming out as, as this thing progresses and evolves, continues to yeah. grow and evolve and transcend. Um, so it's you know to to give you the, the short. Uh, answer response of what programming is it's it's essentially a method to get someone either athlete or just normal Joe uh, closer to their health and fitness goal or sport goal when somebody comes to you you are spending some time to assess their current baseline you're gonna find their weaknesses and build on that right I'm a big believer keep your strengths your strengths and elevate your weaknesses and minimize the gap in between. Exactly. And if you do that, you'll be a great athlete. So most people who buy into that one-on-one -on -one programming uh, understand that they're gonna have to go through a gamut of tests. How do you do that in group training at your facility? Because we both recognize that what CrossFit has done really great is we've been able to quantify fitness. We can, without a doubt, tell somebody whether or not they're getting uh, better results, whether they're improving. How do we do that in a group setting where we are selling constant variation, where uh, we can't test them every week? What, what does that look like? Because um, that's a lot of our listeners as well. Exactly. And the way that I can best describe that is it starts on their first day that they walk in. 
Uh, one thing, one thing that we do at our gym is we have an on-ramp program, and during that on-ramp program, it goes through the very basics of air squat, push-up, pull-up, so on and so forth. Um, and when they're done with their last day, we have got their first assessment done for them. Okay. Uh, our coaches are required to have a sheet of paper with them that says, you know, uh, are they scaling the air squat? Why are they scaling the air squat? And what is their scale going to be? So uh, when they enter in classes, all the coaches are in the same understanding that if I get uh, Mary Jo in my class and she's been squatting to a box in uh, on ramp program, she's going to squat to a box in normal classes. Mm -hmm. Now it's up to our coaches that are coaching those classes to get her stronger. So two box, two boxes underneath her turns into one box, one right. box turns into air squat, air squat turns into PVC pipe, overhead squat, so on and so forth. I think it's super duper duper important. It's, it's up to the coaches, the individual coaches at the, at the gym to give the athletes that feedback. Mm. Hey, Mary Jo, remember when you're squatting in two boxes? Now you're doing like you're doing air squats now. Like, what else in life have you been uh, killing? Like, what As else is easier? Into, yeah, 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 yeah. And to them, they put a connection to you know, yeah, I'm doing power cleans and I'm doing deadlifts, mm -hmm. but what does that really truly mean? Like, right, right. For us as coaches, it's not about you know how much can Mary Jo deadlift and how much can she power clean. It's what has this done to Mary Jo's life outside of the gym? That's powerful. You know, it's we want you fitter from the time that you walk in. From the time that you walk in, we want you fitter the following month, the following year, the following two years, three years, even though you are progressively getting older, because right. that'll never change. Well, there has to be a direct, I mean, ultimately, you know, people came into our facilities because they believe that it can improve the quality of their life. and. Um, if we're not doing that, it's a direct reflection of what we're doing inside the gym or uh, the lack of responsibility and accountability we're giving them. We've come, uh, Matt, into this point where we uh, want people to look fit, to look like they train. Because what's happening, and maybe we can argue semantics, but People are getting fitter when it comes from physicality sense. They are able to do more than they used to do. They're lifting heavier loads, they're moving faster, even their conditioning is improving. But are the body comps changing? Because I believe someone can improve those markers without changing any of the biomarkers. And so we have to go back to the foundation, which is nutrition, and really sell that. And I've been really adamant with the coaches. And it, it happened, um, it's obvious why it happened. In class, what we care about is excellence of movement. It is very rare that we're spending 10 minutes to talk about nutrition or the philosophy or where they're struggling with or uh, what help they might need on the nutrition side. And so the perspective of the individual coming into our group training is they're, they're movement specialists. They're not nutrition specialists or they don't know anything about diet, but we are well-rounded and we want to really start pushing that conversation because ultimately, like it's so badass that they're able to do some really badass stuff in our gym that they couldn't used to do. But at the end of the day, if they don't get physiological results, they will leave, man. They're going to sure. leave because you got to be insane to do the stuff that we do day in and day out and not get body composition and be okay with not getting an improvement in body composition. You got to be crazy. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it really does come down to the owners and the coaches of each CrossFit mm -hmm. gym or each gym, whichever Preach. gym you may yep. go to, that nutrition is the foundation. Um, and, you know, I feel like everyone has heard the preacher of nutrition and they all know but 
this what, is this what is, is the it? question this is the question that I always ask myself is how can I make so and so change and take that first step to uh, changing the way they see think about food the way they everything uh, so for them if I can make that total life change and it starts with nutrition first yeah everything else will follow we always say you know the one hour that you spend in the gym is the easiest time of the day. The 23 hours that you're spending outside the gym, yeah. that stuff is hard because now you're by yourself. Yeah. Now it's totally up to you. We're not going to be there coaching you for the other 23 hours of the day saying like, hey, put that down or try eating this or maybe you should think about doing that instead or go to sleep early or get less stress in your life if possible. Right, right. Um, so it's And you got to completely trust that what they're saying is actually true. True. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, it's tough. Um, the, the easiest the easiest way that I think about nutrition is, you know, eat 80% of the time, it, you should be eating whole natural foods that come from this earth, right? Um, with that being said, if you truly, truly want to see a physical change in your body structure and in your physique, uh, the best way to do it is to start weighing and measuring your Preach. food. And if you if you think that's wrong or if you think that it's like it's too hard or if you think this and that it's like yeah it's hard but compared to what right yeah it's like yeah i get it you, compared you don't to not losing weight yeah but yeah but what's going to be harder when you turn 55 60 years old and you have to and you're spending x amount of money going yeah. to see the docs and you're dealing with a whole bunch of uh, medical issues that you didn't you don't know why and now it's too late to go back now right. you truly have to make a like a drastic change in your life or do you make that change now right what's going to cost more to you long term right exactly. that's really what it comes down to i think that there needs to be a level of progression based on experience and current body fat meaning if we said if we had imagine a pyramid the pyramid the foundation has to be real food and we need to start the conversation there and then we can start asking exasperating the technicalities of these diet protocols mm -hmm. because they're really all based around to me three core tenets it's either a tenant of real food whole 30 whole uh, whole life challenge that's a tenant of real food dieting paleo real food dieting we have calorie tracking so now we need to start weighing and measuring your food in a form of calorie tracking like create mm -hmm. a deficit find the million calculators online do it for seven days see if you lose weight like yeah. Make it basic. And then the last one, at least, would be a macro diet. It's the most, the trendiest thing right now. Flexible dieting, IIFYM, yeah. it's keto, it's, they're all macro based. But what's happening is people are starting there and they're so perplexed, yeah. they don't even know what a macro is and they're over here trying to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, adjust their macros accordingly. And I think we're just starting two people too fast, right? We're yeah. like, uh, we're speaking two different languages, right? Definitely. Uh, I think the other one that you make a really good point is that group programming, Matt, what we've done in CrossFit by selling a recurring membership with group classes, right, is that we've been able to scale fitness. We will get you fitter if you show up to these classes. It's scalable. I have complete control for one hour a day where I'm gonna watch what's going on. We have not, I have yet to see it, a program that has scaled nutrition. 
to the masses. We just don't have it yet because nutrition is so uniquely based on each individual that you can't scale that protocol. And that outside of that, it's not responsible for one hour a day, it's responsible for 23 hours a day. And I I have not yet to find a program that has been able to scale nutrition to the masses where we can all speak the same language and I think it's why we struggle. Definitely, and you know what, You, you said it great. If you have someone that is, you know, 100, 150 pounds overweight, what I think is like their version of scaling down is stop drinking soda. If that, if that's the case, like what, whatever it may be, if if they wake up every morning, stop by Dunkin' Donuts and grab a coffee and a donut every morning. If you stop that one habit, just yeah, let's just do that. Once we once we've created a new habit and for 30 days we're no longer eating a donut, then let's try What's something the next? else. Yeah, then then we go a little bit at a time now. If we have someone that has been, um, you know, they've already lost that 100 pounds, um, they've created new habits in their life, now they're trying to lose the next 20 pounds, now their step is gonna be a little bit different, right? Are they eating natural foods? Mm. What's their plate look like? Is it, um, is it split up so half your plate is veggies, uh, a quarter of your plate is protein, and a quarter of your <laughs> plate is carbs? Mm. Then if that's not, let's try that now. Right, right. Once once they've got that down and they've lost their next five or ten pounds, each change becomes a little bit more difficult to create. Um, each nutritional change makes it gets a little bit more difficult to create that big change that sure. you, you once yep. had a long time ago. That of course, if you cut out that donut, you lose fifteen pounds, and you're like, holy smokes, everything is going to be like that. No, yeah, it not every harder, habit harder, you take out is going to be harder. an extra fifteen yeah. pounds. I agree. You know, within within a good time span eventually that person would be brought to uh, weigh and measuring food. And not everyone has to constantly weigh and measure right, your right. food. If you do it long enough, you know exactly how much you should be eating and um, how, how, what your portion should be looking like. So it's definitely, it's definitely something that, you know, for as far as like scalability, everyone's going to be a little bit different depending on where they are in their nutrition cycle well and exactly that I think it's like you said with when you're bringing people onto your on-ramp and you're bringing a level of progressions and meeting finding where they're at meeting where they're at and slowly advance that I think the same has to start with the conversation of nutrition it's where are they at where do they want to be what's dangerous Matt is that I think that we have to put a great and, and this is just where my heart's at with this in our own facility is you have to put a really aggressive stance on that from day one because and then it's just it's not a conversation that they ever have or when you when you do have it six months down the road it comes off as aggressive like what's going on why are you having this combo with me now like do you think I'm overweight like that was a conversation we should have had from day one and we had to we should have pushed that and I think Jim's got to get more creative with how they're offering services I know you guys are doing a bunch of seminars and your your sister's leading the pack on a lot of that we've had some great conversations with her about that as well so no I just think that like I think we're missing a really big gap here, right? Because we put so much uh, emphasis on the movement standard that we have. We need to start putting a standard on nutrition, right? And I know it's like religion; everyone has a different philosophy. But I think the diet that works best is the one that continues to produce result for that individual. For Sustainability. That individual. Good. So. I'm just still really curious, like, how did you, like, where does your your passion come with individualized training? Because as much as I love it, I hate it at the same time because it is so complex. There's so much to learn that uh, it it can make you feel like you're going crazy sometimes. Like, how did this all happen for For you? So it it all stemmed from the gym, right? Uh, 
I knew that I wanted to squeeze that CrossFit sponge to get the most out of it as possible. I wake up every single Monday morning, I put my shorts and t-shirt on, and my day officially begins, right? And there is nothing that I love more, that I have more passion about than seeing individuals improve because of my work. Wow. That I'm, I'm the helping hand to allow them to reach their goals and whatever the goal may be, whether it's sports specific or health and fitness related from the gym. Um, what essentially how I got started was my passion for coaching um, led me to go on this path to become an athlete, right? Again, for CrossFit. And throughout this path, my curiosity kicked in and I thought to myself, well, you know, Nick Fowler is my head coach and I'm doing this programming. And how is he figuring out what I need? How is he, how am I going to get closer to my goal? Um, how, there's so many different things to CrossFit that you have to be good at. How the heck does he know all these things? Right, right, right. right? So I saw him as like the professional, the, uh, the expert. And I thought to myself, I want to be the expert as well. Right, so through through m me being an athlete under Nick, I asked him if I can uh, if he can start to mentor me as a coach. So you were you were getting programming from him initially. Yeah. You're like this stuff he's putting together is genius, right? Yes. And then you started to get the response that you couldn't get in your own training, mm -hmm. and you're like, so. And I don't I don't know if if the viewers or if you've been here before, but when you start to program for yourself. It's very difficult because you tend to bias mm. things. For fair, example, very fair, yep. no one wants to do a 60-second air bike sprint. I don't want to run three right? miles. It's terrible, right? You don't yeah. want to run three miles. But what if a test comes out and it's a you know, three-mile run and another like 750-meter swim? And then you're going to sit there at a competition and think you're yourself, screwed. well, I didn't want to run. I didn't want to train those miles uh, the marathon training, row, yeah, yeah. But yeah, now yeah. I'm here, and that and that feeling right there, when you you feel like um, unprepared, that's a scary feeling it's because a terrible you, you feeling. look around and you see confidence on everyone's face, and it's like, God, I just you've lost already this one. lost before you and even went into started. it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, what was what was really overwhelming to me to start when I first started programming was um, the fact that constantly varied fitness is what we're searching for. Um, in, in a competition sense, it still holds true. For example, we don't know what tests are coming out in the open until the night before. We don't know what tests are coming out in regionals until a week before. We don't know what tests are coming out in the games until a week before. So an entire year of training can go down and we think and we hope in the signs and you know, we, we look at history and we say, all right, this is what, this is what has come up before. So this is going to be the, the standard. Uh, standard for training throughout the season. And there's there's a lot of different places in training. So, for example, um, there's uh, postseason training, there's preseason training, there's in-season training. Um, and the really important thing now is getting athletes to peak at the right time. Mm. So, for example, if I have athletes that, um, that we meet with that tell me, you know, I've placed top 50 in the open in my region, and I need to get to I need to get to regionals. Well, guess what? Your season is the open, right? We're not going to be we're not going to be right. training you for regionals. We're not going to be training you for the games. Now, if I get an athlete that's been to regionals a few times, our position now is I need you to make it to the games. We need to get one step closer. We need to get in that top five or top three or whatever top one at regionals. So your program is going to be looking different than the other person's programming. It's going to be look, looking different than uh, the. 
I don't know. I, I had an athlete that was training to be on the men's bobsled team. Wow. His he's his training is gonna be looking like completely different, very basic, yeah. very linear. Yeah. Because right? we already know the test short energy domains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so with all this with all this happening in the in when I was learning everything, uh, it's still a constant state of learning, right? So uh, I know what athletes need depending on what their test results are showing, but I'm never complacent and I'm always learning to make sure that I'm on the good side of the bell curve, <coughs> the mm -hmm. good side of the bell curve of, of coaching and understanding programming and understanding different trends that are, are showing up in the CrossFit season. Uh, and I'm lucky enough that I have a great team of coaches under brute strength training. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough that I have a great team of coaches at the gym. Uh, and my life is like inside of CrossFit. So I'm essentially doing programming, writing programming, still working out every testing day. Testing your own stuff. Testing, yep. yeah, mm -hmm. testing things all the time. Um, I always tell my coaches, you know, Man, when I was doing that workout and I was outside running that 400 meter repeat, in my brain I was already adjusting programs, Preach. knowing, Preach. knowing that okay, I have an athlete that is has a weakness or a limiter in this right yeah. here, and a couple of these movements that we use, in, and this is all happening while I'm running. A couple of movements that we <laughs> use so far yeah. has can really help, but if I change this and that, I think it'll be good. So after class, I'll bring out my whiteboard and I'll just start writing everything down on the board. It's very rare that the workouts that we test stay the way they are before we introduce them to the public or introduce them to our clients. Mm -hmm. It's really unique. But so you're altering programming based on where their end goal is for the, this is the 1%, the, if not more. Like I did the math, let's say uh, last year 450,000 people competed in the open and they only took like 400 people to the games. Mm -hmm. You do the math there, the percentage is really small open you're trying to get them to get past the open so they're basically peaking you're getting them to peak or taper three months prior but is there a volume adjustment too like are you uh, because essentially they have a shorter season right because mm -hmm. you cut their season or you you cut their peak in half right their postseason starts post. it's well their their season starts at the same time as everyone right post games uh, but their their season excuse me their season starts earlier. So right. their season starts at the end of March, April. So they're actually After the training, open, right. whereas like people that went to the games. They take a month off or something, right? It, yeah, and it's dependent on each athlete. Sure. Um, but so that athlete, though everyone will start on, you know, March or whatever uh, for the open, they're, they quite, they're still in like, they're not peaking for the open. Whereas, so what I think what you're explaining was, for my athlete that is training for the open, um, volume intensity does change as they start to approach the open, right? So during the open, they're actually gonna be losing um, some sort of like fitness capacity, right? Because their week to week is specifically built so that every Friday and every Monday, they're gonna have their best performance, so I'm not gonna adjusting have, for the open yeah, announcements. So, got so, it, got yeah, it. So got I'm it. not gonna have an athlete um, hit a high volume workout on Wednesday, right? A high intensity day on Wednesday, and then on Friday give their absolute best effort. It's just not gonna make the most sense. Yeah, yeah. But the athletes that are training for the games, they're actually training through the open. So they train. It's just their normal training. On Friday they do the workout and they don't go back. That's it. They do the workout once. 
they place top 20 in their region, and then Monday comes around, it's the same thing all over again. The athlete that is on the bubble, it's less volume, less, less intensity. We're hitting movements that uh, have already shown up in previous open uh, workouts, so we know that we're not gonna be getting like any repeat movement. Uh, and then from there, they're either gonna finish on Friday or they're repeating on Monday. Wow. And chances are very high that they will be repeating Holy every moly. single workout. I hate to repeat in it a hurts. workout, bro. It hurts, it hurts really bad. <laughs> Physically, mentally, the whole thing. Definitely. How hard is it, Matt, from your experience so far, to get them to qualify? Like, because, you know, we all had that vision. We were gonna make it to the games when we started eight, 10 years ago. And as I progressed through it, I realized that it was going to be impossible. And I had to come to that reality a long, long, long time ago. How, like, how do you work through that, right? Because there's gotta be one where you say there's potential there, but you don't know, you gotta see this through. Where's their will? How long will they get through this? Do you sit down from day one and say, listen, this is gonna be a five year process. Are you okay with that? Like, yeah. like what does that look like? Because. Mm -hmm. I think what happens, the unfortunate nature, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, I want to know how you guys deal with it. You get to a point where the athlete you've been working with for three years just finally realize that this is it. They're pseudo-retiring, right? Or that no matter how much they put, the gap is so large, Matt, they're never going to make it. Do you have that conversation with these individuals? Because from a general population, I think we're doing a lot of disservice to our current members if, if we allow them to continue to think that with the gap that we've seen, that they're gonna make it to the games and they're coming in and they're training for three hours. Like, what's that look like? Because honestly, like, I'm not here to kill dreams, mm -hmm. but I want them to have a different purpose for what they should be doing in our gym, right? Definitely. Which is, originally, I wanna have fun with this thing and they're coming in three hours and they're not having fun. But the truth of the reality between you and me, they're not top 5,000 in the state. Like, how do we how, how do we deal with that? Definitely, so the first thing that I do is, <clears throat> I wanna know the athlete's goal. Because not, not all athletes will want to get to the regionals or the CrossFit Games. And once you figure out their goals, then it's time to set them straight. So an example being is if I get an athlete that's, uh, let's say, top 3,000 in their region, they're like, I want to make it to regionals. That's where it's up to me to say, all right, look, this is going to be a long process right here. We're talking about five-year process, three-year process. Um, and it's going to involve a lot of sacrifice, right? So how much time are you willing to put in? Mm -hmm. Like, be honest with yourself because... Uh, motivation to go out the window after the first <laughs> week. Right. So you're going to be training by yourself most of the time. You're going to be doing things that don't feel like CrossFit anymore, right? Uh, you're going to be doing things that you're just going to be questioning all the time. So right, that wasn't hard enough. Yeah, but, you know what I mean? Right, so, right, right, right. So that's the first thing. And then the next thing is if you get the athlete that, again, maybe they're a bubble athlete of make it to regionals, that is a little bit different, right? So no matter who Explain you are. Explain the bubble athlete, Matt. So, so they're right so, on the edge, right? Yeah, so depending on what region you're in, you're um, you're within the top like 20 of making it to regionals, right? So okay, if you're the top 75 athlete in your region, it's not much of a difference between number 75 and number 25. Really? We're Why, talking is it programming? About, is not, that programming? Not, we're point? talking about like in finishes. Like, wow. it's the difference oh, between the, getting, yeah, like, yeah, three, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if you think about it, you're like, oh, you beat me by three reps. Well, yeah, but they're also at 25, and you're at 75. Wow, you know? got it. And, like, in the grand scheme of things, you're, like, three reps. Like, you're right there. Yeah, you are right there. 
Um, Even though the standings don't show that. Yeah, and um, interesting. You know, I was I was talking to this athlete the other day. Uh, where is he from? Uh, he's from North Carolina, and uh, he said to me, you know, after the first workout, I was uh, top 30 in my region. After 18.2, 18.2A, I was at 1200th place, and I was like, well, I had to give up right at that point in time, right? So what happened is he has a very, very strong uh, engine, right? But his weakness was lifting. Got it, because right? that was a, so yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he pulled like a 267 power clean. And I mean, yeah, at 267, he was like yeah. top 3,000 in right, your region. And so it yeah, doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter how good you are aerobically if your strength is that low. So for me, like I get excited because I'm like, okay, this is going to be really good. So when I have the conversation with him, it's like, our focus, our main focus is going to be on strength gain. Right, right. Uh, and whatever it may be, whether it's uh, correcting uh, your technique, if it's uh, getting you just, if you're, and this is this is crazy, his deadlift was like 500 pounds, what? but his power clean was like 305 pounds. So is that pounds. What, technical uh, inefficiency? Right, so I mean, there, there's a big discrepancy between those two. Sure. Um, which now it's up to me to figure out right. what exactly it is. So a lot of things that I do is I have them video and record. So I can see, it's is really it good. technique, or is it just simply because we gotta get your uh, your power more explosive, like your speed, uh, explosive power, because a deadlift is not a super explosive sure, sure, movement, sure, yeah. but the power clean right. is like- Can we get him in some complexes, let me see how he performs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it takes a lot of, of understanding each person, but I think to get back to your question, you know, having them realize early on, that these are your goals and this is like this is real life right here and I'm about to lay down your real life expectations right. like are you ready to be in it for five years uh, and and then or, their actions will follow and their actions will follow and you we'll know what that's at, at that point yeah. in time it's uh, you do everything you can as a coach because that's got to kill you man you're working with the guy for two years and he just he, he you know they get a hold of you and you're like hey I'm, I can't do this anymore that's mm-hmm. got to kill you sacrifice I have athletes who's fa- she, like their family sacrifices so much so they can train three plus hours a day, four plus hours a day, double sessions, triple session days. Imagine wow. what that does to a relationship, to a family. Uh, wow. But if if the family is on board with you and they and they have your back, you know, yeah, you may be missing out on a couple family trips a year. You may be missing out on uh, some parties. You may be missing out, but. Again, you just, you just got to figure out what's what's truly important for you. What makes your internal clock tick, and are you willing to get there? And a lot of athletes, they're like, they're right there. They're right there. And there's not there's not much that changes between an elite level athlete that is capable of going to region. And I think like regional athlete, if you can make it to regionals, like you're a very elite level athlete. Yeah. There's not much that changes besides like a few things number one sacrifice how much are you willing to sacrifice uh-huh. and number two consistency the athletes that are the most consistent with their training with their nutrition with their rest and recovery they see the most gains at the start of their season or wherever like wherever they're like whatever they need to get to right so um i have athletes that they complete 100 percent of their programming 90 percent of the time all right I have athletes Compliance. that, yeah, 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 yeah. I have athletes that complete uh, 
80% of their programming, have athletes that complete 70% of their programming, and there is a huge difference wow. right there alone in what some athletes are getting out of their programming, the PRs that they're making, um, the the you know the changes in in their physique, and uh, everything. And it's like it's all about compliance. If you just if you follow it, right, then the your goals will start to become a little bit bigger. Uh, you see yourself taking like leaps and bounds towards your goals as opposed to like it's always kind of feels stagnant. Um, so yeah, I definitely think the biggest thing is uh, consistency, compliancy um, with everything, not just not just training. You know, training again, training is the easy part. <laughs> yeah, because it's the, it's what you're good at. It's yeah. the movement part. Yeah. So, do you think the biggest uh, discrepancy between uh, the the people that want to make it to the games and those actually do it? For me, I believe it's uh, it's absolute strength. I think that number has to be somewhere pretty damn close to where mm -hmm. they're at because you can bi build engines fast, you can build uh, acquisition of movement really fast, but the, the absolute number takes a really long time to develop if you're that far behind. But the average deadlift weight was 450 pounds and you're at 280, 300, man, you're in big trouble. The guy who is power cleaning, 275 you said but the average number is 340 you're screwed man yeah. like there's a huge gap there because for me i found that you can build these other things quite quickly right because mm -hmm. like for me like a lot of metcons are like percentages of one rep maxes right and when your one rep max is much higher than a lot of people it makes movement a lot easier brother for sure. I, I don't care who you are now if you're a bigger guy you're 200 and you can't move through the handstands or some of these other lightweight gymnastic stuff understandable but for the most part if you looked at some of the top 10 guys they had some crazy raw strength definitely uh, you know the way I the way I look at it I look at it very very basic are you more anaerobic or are you more aerobic and whatever you are we got to make we got to equal it out a little bit so you think that uh, tagging piggybacking off the last ride the anaerobic athlete is much harder to develop long term it depends. So the anaerobic athlete is... Or excuse me, aerobic athlete. Yeah, so the aerobic athlete is someone that, you know, if they see lightweight, if they see gymnastics, they're going to have fun with it. As soon as a barbell, a heavy barbell, a heavy dumbbell, a heavy kettlebell comes into play, they crash and burn. Mm. Uh, and that's the athlete that you're kind of describing. Um, yep, yep. And that's the athlete that I was describing earlier as well. Uh, that path is pretty difficult. Um, as far as like gaining that strength. So it, it comes down to uh, knowing what area of strength they need to develop, right? Um, making sure that their programming is well balanced um, and not, not putting in so much uh, strength work that they start to lose big chunks of their aerobic capacity. And then the flip side, and we've been seeing this more and more often, are the athletes that say, man, if I went to regionals, I would kill it. Like, they can do ring muscle-ups, right. they can do handstand right. walks, they can power clean 330, they can do all this stuff. But if you give them open testers, moderate loads, um, very basic, wow, really very simple, they're, they're like, they just really get blown point. out of the water. And, and they're usually, they're typically the people that are like, oh, these guys and girls, like, they can move all this, but they're so weak, but they always beat me in Is that workouts. why the open does the lighter loads to just make it more inclusive? Is that why you're not seeing these crazy, ridiculous numbers in the open when it comes to 
how the open announcements are coming out? Yeah, I think I think with the open, they try to just make it as well balanced as possible. Um, and they, the way I see it is, they want to make it so, you know, how strong are you aerobically and how strong are you in, you know, in all three categories. Aerobically is like to me is can you breathe and move at the same time. Um, strong is like pure strength. Just raw. Not yeah. only that, but fatigued strength. So. The big trend that we see in the open is fatigue strength. You yeah. can you can power clean 330, but can you power clean 330 after I saw having that to do the announcements? Yeah, 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 yeah um, really good. And then, what is your uh, gymnastics as far as like local muscular endurance? So, uh, can you do double frame? Right. 30 muscle ups for time. You know what I mean? Like you know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, are you capable of holding on to uh, the rig after you know three four minutes of work? Or at the three or four, five minute mark, you start to drop off the bar. You're doing like reps of two and three at a time. Right. Uh, because the great ones, they're still able to hold on. They're going reps of like 12 plus at a time. Um, yeah, you know, to, to succeed in the open, it does take a lot of that, but it also takes uh, well thought out planning ahead of time and not having a big head going into these workouts and saying like, okay, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. Mm. Let me plan according to my weaknesses and be honest with yourself if you know that you can only string together 15 unbroken chest of bars at a time it's not going to make any sense for you to try to go more than 10 at a time it actually would make more sense to break it down into three sets of five right and allow your body to recover because right. it's not about how fast you can do 15 reps in the beginning of a workout it's when we get to minute seven right was that the cap for the last one i think so yeah. if we get to minute seven and you're doing singles and you look back at minute one and two, did it make any sense to go unbroken? Right? That's a good point. And every single athlete, no matter how elite they are, are doing that. Are doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I believe it. The world's best athletes are the best strategizers. Mm -hmm. they've, they've thought out every plan coming into it. For sure. For and that sure. comes back to a lot of self-awareness, Matt. They know what their baselines are. They know what their strengths, they know what mm -hmm. their weaknesses are. The second question I ask you is how do we deal with that with the general pop? How do we deal with these individuals that come in from you know their first month and like I love this I want to make it to the games uh, I would say to that is as a coach never pop their balloon mm. you know like let them know that you know it's it's doable it is definitely much more difficult in today's landscape than when, what it was 10 years ago but it's definitely doable and if they're willing to put in the time and effort and so you're going to walk them through the general process you would use one-on-one -on -one. hey you got to turn into one-on-one -on -one. you're going to have to use group as a, a fun atmosphere but you're yeah, are you not play them out in group not, for a while see how they do yeah so if they're brand new to crossfit and they're like i really want to do this i would still keep them in group classes and i would say all right this is going to be the best track right here right if you're able to sustain and maintain this and be consistent with this for let's give them a, a goal of one year okay then we can talk about what the next step is going to look for you but it's on a new assessment of the baseline yeah, and, and where it could be at. it could be anything it could be like you know mario uh you went from this weight to that weight you're successfully able to do a power clean a snatch a pull up uh, this, this, and that. Now let's talk about some more uh, technical movements, okay? You have your pull-up, we need chest of bars. Uh, you have 12 kipping chest of bars. Let's have you learn how to do a butterfly now. Um, you have ring dips, you have pull-ups. 
let's make sure that you have your. And what you're doing out. is you're moving them to a level of advancement of where all these high-level athletes are at. Yeah, once once they have the basics down, and assuming that they have time in their day, then I would just give them extra work on the side. Uh, from there, it's are they able to maintain that? Because usually, when athletes athletes will say that they want to be better, they say they want to be competitive. But as soon as they figure out for about two or three weeks what it takes to be a competitive CrossFit athlete. So they start to answer these you're questions You're alone. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. spending hours in the gym by yourself. You're like you're sacrificing like you're sacrificing time with your friends. You're sacrificing free time with your family, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend. And these are things that every elite level athlete has dealt with does. and working through. Yeah. But this is this is just something that uh, people don't really put a lot of focus on is you know I, I can I want to practice this I want to practice that it's like all right is your significant other on the same plan as you wow because if not are you willing to say you know what this is not what's right for me because this goal is what's right for me right and it's not up to the coach to answer that question it's up to the athlete to answer that question as a coach I get those questions all of the time Well, you'll get that sense right when they you're trying to get them to peak and their numbers aren't coming back right and like what's going on like are, is everything all right mm-hmm. like because yeah. they're starting to work through some of these issues athletes want black and white answers they say should I do this or should I do that hmm. and really good. When, whenever we come really to a crossroad like that it's well what do you think is right for you because what I don't want happening is Matt told me so and, to so. Do, and this, mm. this was a terrible decision but if I can if I can allow them to talk through it and just like themselves. answer That's the powerful. question themselves, then at the end of the day, I think they're gonna be all right with their decision. For the athletes, Matt, that make it to the games and we're watching it and we're watching the top zero 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 one percent excel at that, they all the time and energy that they put into it. What is your experience? Do you think the game scares people, or do you think it inspires them? Like, where, uh, where do you see that? Because I've always been on the fence for this. I, I think if you drink the Kool Aid, if you're drinking the Kool Aid, you're watching it. It's like, it, it, it you're like, I want to do that. They call us up next week. They saw the games, and then you got some Matt that will never know because they saw it, and they're like, Hell no, that is dumb. I don't want to touch it, and we don't even get a call. Mm-hmm. We don't I even agree. get a call. So where, where do you like? How does that games, because this is a really important conversation we had off air, which is it's the direction that CrossFit is moving because they, uh, I believe that Greg Glassman thinks that it is not following the mission that he truly believed that that CrossFit was supposed to be and it might be scaring people. I don't know. I've never specifically, he, there was a, some kind of statement of that of moving to the masses and, and really finding that general market that he's looking for and he doesn't think the game does that but what's what's your reality what's your perception so just like you we see both um this past year during the open season we saw a big influx of people coming to try crossfit and what we started to think about was all right during this time, there's a lot more information about CrossFit. Uh, CrossFit is constantly posting social media. They're constantly uh, on the forefront of everything. And we see a lot of people that come in, they're like, I saw this on TV, I saw this on the computer, I wanna try it, this is awesome. Right, that's, that's a certain type of personality. And then there's also the personality, and I, I typically meet these people when I'm out, 
and they ask me, you know, what do you do? And I say, I'm a CrossFit coach. And I'm like, oh my God, that's the scariest <laughs> thing ever. I saw on ESPN or I saw on CBS what those people are doing. Those girls are so big. The guys are lifting so much weight. And in the back of my mind, like I've had this argument so many times oh, where it's like, awesome. you know, those are the best of the best, right? Their bodies look like that because they're treating this for the sport. They have to do the amount of volume. They have to eat that much right. food in order to be really, really good. Right. It's no different if you were to go to the YMCA and play a pickup basketball game and compare that to the NBA. That just okay. sounds absurd. Yeah, yeah right? that's really if good. You, if, you like go over, that. if you go over to watch the, an NBA game and you think the first time you step on the court at the YMCA that you're going to get the same competition, right. you're out of your mind. Right, right. It's the same that's exact good. thought with the gym. It's like what we see, these, these athletes are getting paid some pretty good money by their sponsorships. Uh, they're earning good money by the uh, podium finishes that they're having. Um, if you if you just walk into any CrossFit gym and just have a two-minute conversation with a coach, you're going to find out very quickly that the average person that walks in the gym is your typical accountant, is your typical uh, assistant, like anywhere in between. It, can, it doesn't matter what label you put on their job. Uh, the majority of people that walk into our gym have never even picked up a barbell. Some of them have never even worked out before. Wow. And for some reason, they decide to come in and try this crazy CrossFit stuff. Um, why they came in to do it, like what what made them turn turn that switch on is something that I really, truly try to figure out all the time. Because yeah. once we figure that out, you know, things... Yeah, yeah we'll become yeah, we'll millionaires. Be, yeah. yeah, we'll be helping a lot more people yeah, than, yeah, than who we are now. So it's, you know, I think, I think it, it's on both sides of the fence. And... You know, the, the people that are scared, they typically are not the ones that walk in. They're like, hey, you know, I'm terrified because of what, what I saw, but I really want to try it. What we see as owners and as coaches is the people that have seen it and they get excited and they come in or they call or they email. Um, and it's typically the people that we see out at, at restaurants or for out with our friends. Those are the ones that see it and they're terrified. Yeah, I my joke is I... I, I don't try to convince those people at the bars that, no. that they should come do what we're doing no. because they've already they've already decided for themselves. Likewise, I know when someone has come and finally walked into our facility, the the process that they've gone through from their head denial, I don't need it, to you know helplessness, to all these feelings, to finally acceptance, which is like no, I need something, and then they they decide that CrossFit might be that option. So I respect that getting them into the the door, what they've gone through, but. I don't know. I'm still on the fence with that, Matt. I, I think the, the approach that they're taking now is going to, I think, open up some opportunities. But the, the last question before that is I think the message, what you were saying, is I think the message that CrossFit puts out during the Open is much different than what you're seeing at the games, right? Because you're seeing inclusive, you should do this, my grandma's doing it, here's a video. Like, you're seeing all that. But here, when you look at the games, it's the best of the best. It's the elite. It's hey, they're doing a marathon row. What do you mean a metaphor? No, they're no, they're doing an actual marathon row. It just it's a different market that they're appealing to. I so I just think they're just trying to spread that open message across the entire season. For sure, for sure, and I love it. I love that they're going on that route. Um, you know, the the majority of the people that they're helping is the masses out in the world. It's not the elite athletes. You know, I see it as like we're fortunate enough that CrossFit has created something for the sport, um, but it's not it's not the number one most vital piece out there. The number one most vital piece is 
how many people can we reach out and how many people can we help? Um, and for the most part, I can say that of all the coaches, of all the owners, that is their objective is to help people. Their objective is not to be like, I need to coach the best in the world. Um, and that's not my number one goal. Or at the very least, it started off as that and they transcended into the next piece. And that's something that's something that I use as my goal is I want to help out um, Jane and Joe, but I also want to help out uh, elite Jane and Joe as well. Mm. I want to be known amongst the top coaches in the world for uh, the sport of CrossFit, and I also want to be known as the uh, the top coach in Naples and Southwest Florida, mm -hmm. and that people can come to because we have the knowledge, we have a great coaching staff, because we have the pieces that's going to help them become fitter and healthier for a longer time in their life. That's powerful, Matt. Really powerful. I'll leave you with this. Where, if you were psychic, where do you see CrossFit in ten years? Where do you where do you see our industry? Um, what I think uh, CrossFit will be like in ten years, um, I will say that the gyms that are doing it the right way, they're not trying to pull so far away from the like the true methodology of CrossFit. Those are going to be the ones surviving. And what I think CrossFit is doing, as far as like the amount of knowledge they put out there, the amount of, of information of every aspect of health. It's like, it's not just like, let's let them move better. It's, well, what is truly killing people today? Um, I, I truly believe that CrossFit is gonna be the like mecca of training. Like, so right now we're in a stage where you know, 10 years ago, you were CrossFit, people were like, I don't know what that is. Right now, people hear CrossFit and they, they, they know something about it. And it may be good, it may be bad, but it's, right. it's their knowledge of what they think CrossFit is. They've seen on, it on Facebook, they've they got a friend somewhere. who's doing it. Yeah, yeah. In 10 more years from now, people are, I think there's going to be more people saying, oh, CrossFit is good than there is at this current point in time. Um, and there's going to be even more uh, excellent facilities for people to work out in. There's going to be even better options for people to uh, to add on to whatever membership that they have, as far as um, extra coaching, uh, as far as like having them move better, as far as workouts go. Um, I'm truly, truly excited that I'm part of that wave. That you know, I'm really proud of the way my gym is running right now. I'm super excited about the future of, of the gym right now, and the fact that CrossFit. HQ does so much for us on that standpoint that, you know, I don't have enough time in my day, nor do my coaches have enough time in their day to do the research and the development of the current state of health and fitness right. globally. Right. And CrossFit has that, right? So there's no other strength and conditioning program out there that is offering that same thing. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think as we, as we continue to move through these years, we're gonna have an even more positive light. So the, the amount of people that we're gonna be able to reach is gonna be much, much greater than the amount of people we're, we're able to reach today. So for us, that means we're gonna be able to affect more lives. Yeah, no, that's really powerful. And I think that it goes back to what you said is really sticking to the core of what we stand for with CrossFit because as uh, you know, more uh, types of gyms that look like ours, smell like ours, but aren't what we do from a CrossFit standpoint, you have to elevate yourself as a professional and 
be able to build that expertise and that comes through experience and that comes through an incessant search for knowledge and I think as as gym owners and, and coaches we have to continue to push that to help separate ourselves from the, the distracting message which is like oh yeah I do something like CrossFit mm-hmm. or no but is it CrossFit right and, and really selling what it is that we do in a much better way for sure for cool sure. man I agree well listen thanks for having uh, it's been a pleasure having you on bud and uh, we gotta get you back on we could uh, we could do this for hours so I appreciate yeah. you bud yeah definitely man thanks for having me thanks for listening guys we appreciate you